Today on Karina and Kirsten Get to Work, we're talking about meaning. The first of a two-part or maybe a three-part series. <laughs> we'll see. But that's it. Meaning. Simply meaning. Meaning at work. Mm-hmm. One of the three. Ease, meaning, and joy. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Karina Hoyer. And I'm Kirsten Barron. And we're so happy you've joined us today to talk about meaning. Get yourself some meaning mm-hmm. at work. It's a big subject. In fact, so big. That but we're going to talk about it forever. Forever. <laughs> Two, maybe three, maybe four episodes. Well, we had we'll to meet, see where yeah, we, we had up. to meet like multiple times to yes. get this, to get our heads on straight. I don't think I've researched a show this intensely in a long time. I certainly haven't given any episode this much thought as I have this one. Seriously, <laughs> this has been like, it's been my heaviest thinking lift. Yeah. And It was interesting because you and I were both like, we've been doing this for two years and we've not talked about the meaning part. Yeah. Yeah. Hello. Two years. Whoop, whoop. Whoop. Happy two years. Happy two years plus. And it's interesting because it kind of seems like a way bigger deal. I'm not going to say the other topics we haven't we've covered aren't that big of a deal, but it's like, yeah, how to deal with a difficult coworker, how to ask for a raise Mm -hmm. seem like a little bit, maybe kind of get yourself some rest, less, less. Less bit profound Meaty. Less than meaty. meaning, yeah. meaning, mm-hmm. meaning. Mm-hmm. Speaking of profound, did you know tomorrow is my wedding anniversary? Happy anniversary, Karina. Thank you. Yeah, I can't do the math. Barry and I met when I was 12, 17. No, we, <laughs> we met when I was 23. We got married when I was 29. And it's I'm now so, 50. So sweet. Is it? Is it you still? You as kids? Yes. Yes. No, it's yes. totally sweet. Uh, speaking of kids. Oh, I know. How's Gabriel? Oh, my gosh. I don't think our listeners know the story. You know, I have these three amazing, great kids. They really are great, but they get broken very easily or else they just break (laughs) themselves very easily. We were on vacation because we're all about fun, 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 right? That's what we're up for. That's what we're doing this summer. And on vacation in Lake Chelan, and my youngest, Skylar, was arm wrestling Gabriel, my middle son, and... They broke Gabriel's arm. I, so, they broke his humorous arm wrestling. Oh. I was right before this happened. I almost called it because, you know, come on, two brothers going after it. And it was the worst sound ever. The poor kid has like a six inch plate and a bunch of pins. And you heart. call him a kid because he is your kid. But this is a oh, young he's 23. Adult. He's yeah. the same age you were when you met Barry. Yeah. He's 23. He's, 20, he's a kid. He's a kid. <laughs> but he's not like an eight year old who just no. fell off the playground. Mm-hmm. No. This is a 23 no. year old yeah. man arm wrestling his, his brother. brother right breaking his humorous i texted my sister and my mom after it happened and my sister wrote me back and she was like how much trouble is skylar in uh, yeah <laughs> i was wondering like who's more proud that i arm wrestled until my arm was broken or holy crap i, I think broke a bone i think they both feel super stupid <laughs> honestly oh, okay. oh they both feel so stupid and skylar bless his heart was feels really bad but he's super glad it's not him oh shit yeah <laughs> Mama, <laughs> oh. I'm just glad it wasn't me. I just feel so bad, but I'm just so glad it wasn't me. Yeah. I thought that's an honest kiddo. That is an honest kid. Yeah. And I'm glad it's not me too. I saw that plate. 10 screws. Just some excitement on your vacation. That is Because there's about... nothing like being in the middle of nowhere with a broken humerus. <laughs> Man, I've been there. I've been, yes, I have been there too. So oh, holy Hannah. Not my own personal, but my own children, much younger. And uh I feel for you. So here's life. Here is life. This This is is what brings meaning, right? 
anniversaries, relationships with spouses, children, events, getting yep. through them. These are the things that bring meaning. Enjoy. 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 Not always ease. Not always ease. I speak but, about my marriage. Right, me. <laughs> I speak about my children. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> hey, by the way, one thing we forgot to say, which we've been um, trying to make a habit of, is that we are recording from the land of the Coast Salish people. So I just want to pop that in before we move Thank on you. to the content. You are welcome. Thank you for bringing Not me that forward. to the Coast Salish people. Oh, yes. Thank you to those Coast Salish people. Thank you to the yeah. Coast Salish, for sure. Okay, so here we are today, starting uh, part one of a seven-part series about meaning. <laughs> <laughs> and f- we have to do what we normally do, which is try to figure out what exactly we're talking about. Yes. Because again, mm-hmm. per usual, I said, Kirsten, is, me- is purpose the same as meaning? Is da-da-da the same? And you're like, I don't know if I care. But I don't know if it, no. I don't know if it matters. Mm-hmm. Turns out they're pretty synonymous, but you love yourself a good dictionary mm-hmm. and you found multiple definitions of meaning. Do you want to talk about those? You know, one of the ones that I really liked was from the meaning of life. It was the definition of the meaning of life from the Stanford Encyclopedia of Philosophy, which just felt so like hefty and meaty. Oh, and yeah, like exactly. You just wheel that shit around. Of course, it has to be right. <laughs> Okay, and I'm going to just quote it. One salient view is that the concept of meaning in life is a cluster or amalgam of overlapping ideas, such as fulfilling higher order purposes, meriting substantial esteem or admiration, having a noteworthy impact, transcending one's animal nature, making sense, or exhibiting a compelling life story. So when you hear that definition, you think to yourself, what is meaning? Maybe. Well, I also think what, what? What is an amalgam? What is an amalgam? I don't know what an amalgam is, but that's some heavy shit. It's very heavy, but the comment it's, and this is the other, and before just to muddy the water (laughs) and just to get everybody's head spinning on fancy philosophy from Stanford, there's another definition that says, that meaning, and this is by author Amy Werzerdsky. I think I'm pronouncing her name correct. I'm gonna Wersnowski. Well, I'm gonna pop down to my pronunciation key later that I had later in our notes to make Wersnowski. sure. It's actually Wersisniewski. 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 Okay, perfect. Wersisniewski. And the definition that she uses in an article that we'll talk about later is. That meaning is the connection between two entities and or things that create a non-physical reality accessible to humans. Me and family, Krina. You and nature. Yep. Maybe money and time. All of that sounds really heady and I still don't have a clear picture of what it is and how we get it. the, The one thing that really comes to me is meaning is when Two things come together and make sense. And in that, and I would take it a step further and say, as you do, make sense and create an experience in yourself. Yeah, I think that's what these definitions are saying. And the experience has to do with something that is. I'm not going to use the word positive because a lot of meaning is not positive. It's hard. Mm-hmm. Right. To sit with somebody who's grieving the loss of a spouse or who has cancer to do that. Witnessing is incredibly meaningful, but it is hard. So I think it 
creates an experience in the human, right? Yep. That somehow is one of these things that that we that the Stanford Dictionary calls out fulfilling a higher purpose a high, or making making a contribution. Yep. Having a noteworthy impact. So all of those things are the result of two distinct items coming together mm-hmm. and creating an experience. Okay, I can kind of I can get behind that. I can get behind that for sure. It's a good thing to talk about what meaning is not. Yeah. Like it's not. Well, you just said it's not always positive. Right. It's not always positive. But I think that people say, I think people would, I've heard people talk about honesty or or integrity being meaning in your life. And I don't think that's what meaning is. I think that's one of the things that you might use or value to get to meaning. But I don't think those things are in and of themselves meaning. Okay. Because meaning has is two things that come together mm-hmm. that create uh, purpose, like create purpose, come together to create an experience. Okay. I think I'm getting it. I think, are you, I think we're, I'm going to get it the more we talk about this. I cannot believe that I'm struggling so much right now, so early in the show. <laughs> <laughs> right after I just admitted that I've researched this shit more than anything don't else. Don't you think, though, it's a lot? I mean, I just think this whole concept of what is meaningful is big. Yeah. I mean, people, I mean, philosophers spend their whole lives trying to figure this out. Yeah. So we're going to do it in two and a half episodes. We're doing <laughs> I think we're going to cut half of that. No, and it's true. I, I think sometimes I focus on also what does it feel like? Mm-hmm. So if I know if I know that I want meaning in my work and in my life and in my relationships, and I know that I have to contribute and, and that there's like sort of, you know, we're going to go back to this kind of two things working together. I know what it feels like when something's meaningful. It, it, it feels it feels good. Maybe not always happy, mm-hmm. but it feels mm-hmm. good. It feels worthwhile. Mm-hmm. It feels like I'm close to living who I want to be. Mm-hmm. I know when when I'm not f- finding meaning in my work too. Mm-hmm. You know when I'm feeling compromised or I'm not bored. I'm frustrated. Bored or it's, yeah, it doesn't mm-hmm. have the same positive um, emotional connection. And I think you know when we talk about ease, meaning, and joy, meaning is really this. It, it's all so very personal. It's so very personal that it's hard to just say, oh yeah. Uh, well, that work over there, being a nurse or a doctor is meaningful and being a custodian is not, mm-hmm. for instance. Yes. Or being a, being a, somebody who sells dresses in a fancy store, dress store, I think of Nordstrom or something like that, is not meaningful and being a teacher is. I think we need to get out of that assumption. Right. Because it is so personal. It is so, so, so very personal and so very important. So can I quote some stats? Because, you know, I love to do that. Before you go into stats, I just want to talk about one more thing about meaning. Yeah. For me anyway. I think that there are all kinds of examples of meaningful work. And I kind of started to say that talking about the, you know, salesperson who works at Nordstrom in the dress department. Yeah. I think that. Whenever you are being of service, whenever you are helping somebody else experience joy or ease or making their life better, it's a pos- it's possible to have meaning. So I think whether I mean I think you can be a banker and have meaning 
have really significant meaning, helping businesses and helping people with their money. Um, The obvious ones, teaching, healthcare, all these things that really, really help people. Um, But sometimes meaning can just be as simple as providing for your family. Mm -hmm. Like that may be enough for you, listener, me, Kirsten, you, Krina, all of us, friends, to stay in a job because we get to provide for our family. That may be enough meaning. Right. And I also think that when we talk about meaning, I think it is about what's the purpose of the work? What are our own values? What are the values that the place we're working, what are the values there? Um, what is my ability to contribute? How much are my efforts making a difference, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And do I feel good about them? Yes. So I think that when you talk about meaning, all of those elements come into play. Yeah. Which is so much more clear to me than that Stanford Dictionary definition I have to Thank say. you, friend. No, thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. And why is it important? Why are we digging in okay. so deep? Yeah. It's because, according to an article called Help Your Employees Find Purpose or Watch Them Leave, mm-hmm. people who live their purpose, and I would argue is, rel- is synonymous with, with meaning, meaning, at work are more productive than people who don't. They're healthier, they're more resilient, and more likely to stay at that job. Moreover, when their purpose is aligned with the organization's purpose, the benefits include stronger employee engagement, heightened loyalty, and a greater willingness to recommend the company to others. So so when you find your purpose at work, when you find meaning, you find all these other things that we know make life joyous. Richer. Richer. And I, it's interesting because I think that people who have found meaning in their work are more enthusiastic about their work. Yeah. And that goes back to what you're saying about being engaged, right? Yeah, absolutely. I And I personally, that enthusiasm, when somebody is really finds their work meaningful, is infectious. Yes. It's it's like rain on the parched earth. It's such a wonderful thing when you run into somebody who is enthusiastic about their work. And they're enthusiastic most likely because they found yeah, meaning. That's what I think. They're also more proud. They're more committed. They achieve more. They have deeper connection. And of course, they are excited. This is all according to data. What's interesting, though, is there's people been doing some research during the pandemic, mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. really digging into how the how meaningful work can impact how you're uh, if you're resilient in a crisis, if you're willing to stay, how you see things and over the long term, how you fare physically, mm-hmm. all really interesting stuff. And one study compares people who say they're quote unquote living their purpose again Mm -hmm. i would argue that is finding meaning at work um, compared to people who aren't the former report levels of well-being that are five times higher just crazy than the latter that's that infectious thing Mm -hmm. right yeah this is what we want that is a really significant difference you know a lot of times we talk about numbers and we have a 20 or a 30 percent difference a 20 or 30 percent delta but the data tells us that if you do have purpose and meaning at work, you are f- five times more likely, right? Yes, five times more likely. Or sorry, uh, you rate well-being five times higher. Yeah. 
You're also 2.5 times more likely to be free of dementia. Now, that to me was the craziest part of this. I was like, we get a lot of stats, Karina. We talk about a lot of different experiences at work with people. Yeah. But now we found one that says, hey, if you find your purpose, you're two and a half times less likely to get dementia. Yes. 22% less likely to exhibit risk factors for stroke. And what I think is the coup de grace, 52% less likely to experience a stroke. Which is nuts to me. I mean, we're getting to this place where our experience in the world translates into our experiences in our bodies. Like this is, I know this is not brand new learning, but I'm going to say this is relatively new learning for the workplace. I don't think people realized until the last five years, 10 years, maybe, that what's going on at work really impacts your health in a super significant way. Yeah. Well, and also the in the, wor- the um, work has changed. Mm-hmm. Our relationship to work has changed. changed. And the our society has changed. I mean, you found some great statistics about kind of how people thought about their work and meaning and purpose from the 50s. And that was really enlightening. I think it's very interesting. So, and this makes total sense. And I'm going to hearken us back to that episode that we did on generations. And remember, we talked about every generation and their commitment to work and how important it was to them and how central it was to their lives. Yep. So that data that we talked about in that show really matches with this data. And in this data, it's, 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 it's very similar, except in chunks of people as opposed to generations. So in the 50s, wor- most workers said that they would continue to work even if they didn't need to. Yeah. If they had all their financial needs met, they would still continue to work. There was a, That was a study, Morrison-Wise, in 1955. There was a study in 1980 by Vecchio that found that that number had decreased significantly. Mm-hmm. And what's fascinating to me is all that makes sense to me. Yeah, and explain it, because it didn't make sense to me. You know, I think that our lives are very different than they were in the 50s. In the 50s, church was a big institution. You know, a lot of people went to church. People had, um, I'm not going to, religious faith, right? I'm going to distinguish it from faith, faith, but religious, you know, Catholic, Episcopal, Jewish, whatever. So churches were a big part of people's lives. Institutions were a big part of people's lives. And the institutions were not, as I would say, so rich and diverse, Right. So in the 1950s, you didn't talk about Kwanzaa. Yeah. Right now we talk about that, love it and experience that and bring those things, you know, into our lives. And I think that we are evolving as a society. I always say this, we're evolving. Like every time my husband says to you, will say, ah, humans, we're a mess. You know, we're not evolving. He says, show me one thing that says we're evolving. And I always say to him the same thing, which he forgets because he asked me the same question again. (laughs) He forgets he's lost that argument. I say, thank goodness, because then I get to win it again, which is super fun. Um, I say to him, beating our kids. We don't do that anymore. No, I know some people do, but it's not okay. And in the 50s, it was okay. Sure. So we are as humans evolving. And I think that we have left some kind of anchored foundations, one of them being work, and people are less anchored. They have less meaning and they have less purpose. So so in the 50s, 
we had a whole bunch of anchor and ins- anchor institutions. I would say family. I would add yep. family, traditional to that. family, traditional family, mm-hmm. um, or extended family, or not. You know, yes. larger nuclear family, um, church institutions. People didn't move as faith, much. Okay, different community, and so you had, uh, yeah. you had ready-made meaning layered on top of you. Now I'm going to argue that I don't know that that's the best kind of meaning. Sure. I'll be candid. I think that the opportunity we have today to discover and realize our own meaning is far more valuable and richer, but it was like ready-made meaning. Yeah. And so people didn't have to necessarily, so that did they, so now do we look to work for meaning and can't find it? I think that's what's happening. Okay. I think that people have less of those things in their lives that provide meaning, like, you know, when you go to church, you know, you love the Lord. You go to your family dinner on Sunday. There's all these things that are built in. And I don't know that we have so many of those things anymore. And so I think people are looking to work for meaning and they are not finding it. And we know that from the generation's work we did. Yeah. And, and we, we know, know that. that from these studies. Yeah. We know that from the Which statistics. Which to me is fascinating. And it's like super hopeful to me because I'm like, oh my gosh, as an organism, as humanity, as a society, we are evolving. Yeah, but but it seems like it's we're devolving in a way in that this this opportunity like we're not finding no, the kind of that, uh, no no it's just that unknown moment till we reach for what we're going for. Okay, we're in the between the trapeze. We're in between the trapeze and the change episode, right? Yeah, where there is this unknown period, which I think we're probably in, but we are all and we're going to encourage you, friends, to reach for that meaning. Yeah, and the way that you do that, as we have seen are by doing two things. One, really taking Love a look at- Love the way at, you're just getting after it. I am going down you're this like, agenda. We are, we are, there are two things to do, <laughs> and this is what we're going to do to evolve and bring ourselves into meaning. I love it. Everybody who This is why I do this with you. I love this so much. When I facilitate meetings, sometimes people look at me like, how did you just do that? Wait, what are you, wait, we're moving. Oh my God, we're there. Um, Here's where we are. The way we find meaning at work is is by modifying two things. One is internal Mm -hmm. factors, our internal factors. And the second is our external factors. And when we can do that, we're getting closer to being able to find meaning. However, what you modify and what you know about yourself and how you, you know, engage with your tasks and yada yada, all those things, how you influence both internal and external factors really um, is quite specific, mm-hmm. according to me. According to Karina, I love it. According to kind of what we read. And I'm going to agree with you, friend. And according in a lot of ways to some of these folks, I mean, this has been studied for a very long time. We were reading references. Well, you like you saw, there was something in the 1950s. Yep. Some of the stuff that we talk about is relatively new. People have been studying how to find meaning at work for a very, very long time. So, uh, but, And I'd argue we could go back to the... Um, uh, oh my gosh, the philosophy. Oh yeah, stoicism. Back to stoicism. Yeah, we. I think we can go back to stoicism to talk about people trying to find meaning at work. Yeah, exactly. And so, so there is some specific. So there are what? What I'm are you cracking at myself because I'm like, what am I like a replay of episodes today? That takes us back to generations. And oh, don't forget about stoicism. Oh shit! I can't believe you're rattling all of these off. I know. I'm like a footnote. This is like episode 66. Yeah, I got a long way to go. 
get the rest of the 55 you need, in. You're gonna, mm-hmm. We're going to have a drinking game where every time Kirsten mentions an episode, it's like right. bingo. It's, it's like, bingo. like bingo. Exactly. I'm going to do that on Instagram. Brown liquor. Okay, get back. I distracted you from what you were doing. We were talking about brown liquor bingo. Oh, my God. I'm gonna, <laughs> that is our next money-making scheme. Remind me to talk to you about it later. Um, okay, so let's talk about then. Can we start with internal? Yes, because that's my favorite, honestly. Really? Oh, always. Of course I knew always. that. I don't know why mm-hmm. I act surprised. Because I love control. It's for me and we have too. more control over internal. <laughs> do we? Because I do. I know we should. We do. We should. So one of the biggest things that we learned when uh, looking into this is that finding work, job, career, vocation, calling, whatever it is, that when you have your work, when your work aligns with your personal values, mm-hmm. you are on a rocket ship to sparkly rainbows and unicorns when it comes to meaning. Yeah, I, I do want to just say something about the idea of a job, a career, or a calling. People who have what they describe as a calling, as you would expect, feel deeply aligned with the purpose of their work and their own values and the values of the organization. Their calling is something about them that transcends just the job and is about their expression of who they are in the world. And I'll be candid. Like, I feel like my work as a lawyer is my calling. I would say the same thing about my work yeah, as a consultant. I agree. I think you have that same experience. It's your calling. It's what you are drawn to do. Yes. And it expresses out of you, you know, almost, you know, you couldn't stop it if you wanted. Yeah. Right. Even though people beg me. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't want my advice? I don't understand. Let's go. People. Somebody talk to my kids. But can you get it? If you're not in a college. Yes, you can. If you have a job, which is a job, right? Just you have a place where you go to work. A career is, you know, I consider that something where you're kind of working your way up a ladder, going to the next step, moving up, which has, you know, another attraction. But you can find meaning in in anywhere you find yourself in your work. Yes. If you are able to align that work with your mm-hmm. values. And... The first step in doing that is really knowing what your values are. So thinking about values is going to be a bit of the next section here because it's so important. It's really, really important. And there, I, I have a lot of friends who are very clear about their values. And I have a lot of friends who I think are smart, wonderful, capable, heart-driven people. And if I said to them, what are your values? They would look at me like, what was I talking about? So... There are some folks out there who've really explored this and others who haven't. But I do think it's foundational to figuring out what meaning is. Yeah. What are your values? What are your values? And values are the things that are most important to you in life, right? They're linked to goals because values motivate you to take action. Values mm-hmm. motivate you to, take, to achieve your goals. And you have them, whether or not you've identified them or not. Now, Simon Sinek... Oh, it's so great. Has a great um, little snippet on YouTube. We'll make sure it's in the show notes. Who says, you know, actually, the best values are ones that are action oriented. So you can say that you're, I know one for you, Kirsten, is honesty. Mm -hmm. 
you know, one of your triggers is when people lie. Mm -hmm. And so Simon Sinek says, you know, honesty can be a value, but the real power is when you're able to turn that into an action verb and really talk about how it manifests in your daily life. So so for honesty, it'd be to tell the truth. Yeah. And I, th I thought about this for my own self, too. And, and honesty is a big one for me. And I was thinking, tell the professionally. How would that manifest manifest itself professionally? My one of my organizational values is tell the truth even if it's hard. In fact, that is the time to tell the truth. Yeah. You know, the harder it is, the probably the more important it is. Maybe. I mean I really yeah. believe this. Okay. Okay. Here's another value. Like innovate. Innovation. I Innovation is really important to it me. It is important to you. You love new stuff. I love new, new stuff, stuff, new experiences, new ideas exciting things and then i was thinking how do i manifest that value how do i verb how do i action uh, what's the right word how do i actualize that value how do you translate innovation Operational, in, yeah, into yeah. action yeah how do i operate how do i operationalize innovation nice word operationalize i think you made that up but i like it no it's my consultant hat i just put nice, my consultant hat on nice, how are we gonna like, operationalize this people that's what i say a lot of nice. the time when i'm banging on the table in those boardrooms no so i would operationalize that by saying my in my business i allow for experimentation in my business, I reward creativity and allow for failure. That's how innovation manifests itself. So you're saying, and this Simon Sinek saying, that if you can define your values in a way that is action-oriented, they have more power in your life. They have more power in mm -hmm. your life. And you, and it's really, I think, it, I think just even doing that activity was really powerful for me. What activity? I've, the activity to think about what my values were and then kind of operationalize them like oh, that. Oh, yes, yes. Um, I thought, shit, I can see how that plays out on a daily basis. A lot. I can see how, tell the truth, mm -hmm. even if it's hard. Oh, there's an opportunity every day right. for that. But where honesty, I don't know, how, it, just, it just hangs there. It is just more powerful. It's a more, as you said in the very beginning, it's more powerful to take your values into action. Yeah, into action. Yeah. So how do you know what your values are? And frankly, Kirsten, what are your values? So I have, I have a lot of ideas about what my values are, right? And, you know, I do also observe sometimes in myself and sometimes in others that I say I value something, but the actions that I take around it do not say I value it. So if I'm not spending the time devoting the energy, making the contribution, whatever it is, you know, this is where I check myself for honesty, right? Am I really honest when I say I value that? So one of the things uh, that, that we did, Karina, before, you know, before we started this show was to do a survey from the Values Project. Yeah. It's this um, university in Australia and they've had this values project going on for quite some time now. And you take a test. We'll put it in the show notes. It's like just a 21-question test. And it comes up with your values. And it was it's always great for me because I'm like, I think this about myself. I wonder if this is really going to turn out to be the way it is. Oh, Good yeah. news. They matched. They matched. They matched. And it's a it was a free survey. Mm -hmm. It was really it was painless and uh, fun. Fun. You need to take a little bit of time to do it. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay. Talk about yours first, Karina. Talk about your values. Wait, project no, you results. were on the middle. You were doing it. Okay. I'll go first. So, um, okay. So mine were 
I have a value. My highest value was societal universalism, which is the good that the good of society, the good of people. Right next to that was family and friends, close family and friends. Um, I my next one was benevolence. So this does really reflect my value of service. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of joy and satisfaction and meaning being of service, whether it's in my work, to my friends, to my family, to whatever. So I was like, oh, that's why I do that. So right there, you have a value of benevolence. Mm-hmm. You know that. You took the quiz. It aligned with what you know about yourself. And to operationalize that value at work, in your workplace, you would say, be of service. I would, yes, be of service and live with generosity. That's right. Be of service and live with generosity. Okay. Now, there were some things like that were not as, you know, like I'm a hedonist. (laughs) I value my physical experience. I value pleasure very highly. And I'm like, of course I do. Yeah, brown liquor and cheese. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Love me some hedonism. And I'm a little bit more attached to success than I'd like to be. Oh, like I do have success and achievement as a value. Yeah. Hence the whole super lawyer thing. Right. I'm like, oh, oh my God. Congratulations, super lawyers. Yeah. But it was one of those things where you think, oh, yeah. And I probably would not have put that as high as the survey did. Yeah. But I think it's true. When I think about it, I think it's true. OK. And we're going to not we're not going to gloss over the whole super lawyers thing. I did a splash on social media. And so, so nice. many of our friends have given you kudos. But I'm going to do it publicly to say Kirsten Barron was honored as uh, 2021 Washington State Super Lawyer. And it's been on my bucket list, like my to-do list for like 15 years. It's an insane it process. It took me 15 years to get to Over it. a quarter of a million applications. That's just rigorous. I did so much research on that, second only the to thing, the research I did for this episode. I didn't apply. Right. You're just recognized by your... I love it so much. I didn't have to apply. You didn't apply. I hate applying for things. I know, me too. That's not one of my values. Anyway, so those were, and it's fascinating to me because sometimes I'll say to myself, why am I in the grocery store on a Sunday morning at eight o'clock buying cookies and coffee for coffee hour at church? What am I doing? And then I realize, oh yeah, I'm going to take it to church. We're going to have coffee hour. All the old people are going to love the cookies. It's going to be so fun for me to hang out and know each other. So I might not like shopping on a Sunday at 8 a.m., but I like the results. And it's because they're in line with your values. Yes, yes. And that value would be universalism? Probably universalism there, right? Because people are getting together. And being of service. Okay, so now you talk about yours. Well, I'll just talk about the the top couple. One of them was stimulation. My top one was stimulation. Which just cracked me up. Why? That's so funny because I think I'm so self-aware and I'm like, really? Stimulation? Well, I guess I do... What do you want to do? My sister and I always talk about how, like, what do you want to do for your birthday? I don't know. Just I just want it to be adventurous. You always want adventure. You love to travel. You love to try new things. You're always looking for new experiences. Come on. You're going to do brown liquor bingo. It's always something I know. I'm just like, I got a list over here on this side. And I feel like I'm living this value. This is one of the reasons I think why I love my consulting work so much. It's because it's new clients. It's new conversations. I'm solving problems. problems. Mm -hmm. Today, I was digging into so much heady stuff. And I have to be super organized. And I have to like, you know compartmentalize and research this for three hours and plan this thing and then did it and I'm like I love it I love it I used to come home and say I had an executive director day Barry when I was doing this exact mm-hmm. same thing as a leader because I love that kind of stimulation the other two uh, top ones were self-direction again mm-hmm. that's why I feel like I love this work because I'm 
in charge of myself. Mm-hmm. I say, yeah, the, you know, I can't, I say yes to everything on my calendar. And I say no to the things that aren't on my calendars. Mm-hmm. Love that self-direction. And then, of course, I got a little hedonism, too. Hedonism was number three for both of us. And I think that's where we overlap. There's, <laughs> that's where our Venn diagrams overlap is around hedonism. Yeah, exactly. Also, achievement. I'm going to say achievement and security and universalism. You and I both had all of those. Yes. Again, friends, you need to dig in and figure out what your values are. And how you can operationalize those or manifest those in your work. That is one of the keys to this, as I said, I really over do. and over and <clears throat> over again. I really think if you're operating with bad information, all the results are bad. Yes. So figuring out what is important, what are your values, what makes you sing, what make what what resonates with you in that way that just like fills your heart and your body with energy and um yeah a sense of that purpose and meaning finding those things that are important to you and here's the thing like one of the things <clears throat> one of the things in this um list this uh values project list was tradition that you value tradition and mm-hmm. the way things are and that the way things are supposed to be. And I know that there are people out there who really value tradition. I have no regard for it. Yeah. It is completely meaningless to me. Same thing with uh, money yeah. or the accumulation yeah. of wealth. Yeah. Very the- important to some people, not important at all to me. And so we are all so different. And if we're not clear about what it is that we do value, what do we find meaning in? What is we get? We're sideways. Yeah, and that's so. Again, finding what's right for you, which is no better or worse, is just different than for the next person. Mm-hmm. And aligning your work with that value is one of the two keys to finding meaning. So one of the things that I did when we were preparing for this show is I went and looked on the law firm's, you know, the Baron Smith Doggart Law Firm website to see what our values were. Oh. Because I was checking to see if they were action values or they were just, you know, word values. Yeah. And I do not think that they are as action-oriented as I would like. But here's what was interesting. One of the values that I have in my practice is creativity. I really like being a creative lawyer. But I would never say that I was an innovative lawyer because innovation is to make new. Interesting. And there are very few lawyers who can make new because the whole point of the law is dealing with what you have. Yeah. Right? These yes. are these laws that you yes. you have it. And maybe you can turn it and make it into something else. I certainly know my friend Brian can, but very few of us lawyers can do that. So if you love innovation, law probably is not for you. Right. So figuring out what your own – and innovation is not one of my values. Yeah, I would uh, – th- yes. It, it's almost embarrassing how, how unimportant it is to me. <laughs> right. And this is the point. This is the point. This is why you found your calling, and I feel mm-hmm. like I have too, because we're kind of living those th- those values. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say it again. They don't – there's no right or wrong. There's no right or wrong. And the, when I look at the values in the law firm – integrity, excellence, and service. All those really resonate with me. They are things that are very important to me, which is why I think I'm so happy there. Right? Yes. Spectacular. 
So I can look at the values that the organization has. I can look at my values and I can start to think about what makes sense. But before I do that, I really have to know that I really don't care about innovation so much. Right. That I really do care about service, that I really do care about benevolence. Um, Yeah. And this is the thing, too. It's like we're all these amazing you know, the kids, when they were growing up, their Montessori teacher used to talk about them unfolding as they grew up. Mm. I and think it's, of like a dali- or a yeah, beautiful flower. A beautiful flower or like origami, you know, just this unfolding. And I feel like this is a beautiful opportunity for listeners to do some unfolding. Yeah. To let those leaves, the blossoms, whatever, open up. Because, you know, I, even in just this work around this episode got a lot more clear about what's important to me and consequently why I do what I do. Yeah. Which is meaningful work. Here we are. Meaningful. you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in our next episode, in yes. two weeks, we are going to dig back into meaning and we're going to look at the external factors that you can influence and how you can do that. And how you can create those conditions for your teams or your coworkers or your staff so that when you are in a work and you found those, figured out what your values are, you then align them with the tasks and the, the actual work that you're doing. So the tasks, the work you're doing in the organization. Yeah. So that's coming up in two weeks. In the meantime, I have to say, spend some time on your values, friends. Yes. Get- because then you're going to be like ready to go. You're going to be ready to go with like actualizing those in your life to find meaning. Yeah, exactly. You got two weeks. Let's see what you can do. (laughs) (laughs) Kirsten, as always, what a pleasure. Thanks, Oh my goodness. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye, listeners. Karina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Karina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 